Welcome to Beyond the Beers. Men breaking the stereotype through conversation. We men love a good yarn, some banter, even better over a beer or tea. Sadly for many men, it never goes deeper than that. This show is a place for men to go beyond the surface level conversations, a chance to learn, listen, laugh and grow. Hi, I'm your host Mike Campbell, man coach and Amazon best-selling author of Unleash Your Alpha. Having worked with men for well over a decade, I've seen that one of the biggest obstacles to our collective and individual happiness and success is a resistance to sharing and being vulnerable for fear of being seen as weak. If we reframe this as courage and strength, we can soon step out of our heads and grow. This show exists to create that safe place, to take that first step out of our heads and go beyond the beers. Now, I want to introduce to you today's guest very quickly, Mr. Jackson Ald, or Jacko. One hell of a roommate, but so much more than that. I met Jacko last year when we travelled to Cambodia with Project Futures. You're going to hear a little bit more about that in the show coming up. There was so much to that trip. Cambodia itself, the history, the human trafficking, which is why we were there, rehabilitation centres, it goes on and on. One of the best parts, the people, both local and my fellow tourists. Jacko being the most obvious, as we spent over 12 days rooming together every single night, as well as riding through the back roads of Cambodia. I would soon learn that Jacko is one of the most genuine, engaging, big-hearted and hilarious blokes I've ever met. His story into becoming a motivational speaker involves breaking his neck playing footy at the age of 17, and it is nothing short of remarkable. When I decided on diving headfirst into filming some interviews for this show, Jacko was number one on the list. It was a great chat, you're going to hear about it shortly, and possibly the best soundbite I've heard so innocently innocently leave someone's lips created as a result. Be a man, not a fuckhead. I'll leave the rest of it to the show. If you're interested in getting into these kind of conversations and beyond the beers, outside of having these conversations in your own life, then head to the website beyondthebeers.tv slash event to check out Conversations and Cool Shit for Men, the live event for Beyond the Beers we're holding here in Sydney, Saturday, August 20th. It's going to be a fun, interactive and challenging day with loads of different kind of conversations and interactions for you to get involved in, experience, learn, listen, laugh and grow. Of course, there is huge power in witnessing these kind of conversations, which is why this show exists primarily as a video show. Seeing two normal guys go beyond the surface really does provide a nice, simple, and real example of how you can do this in your own lives. So if you want to watch the show, head to the website beyondthebeers.tv and check it out. Of course, if you're thinking you want to recommend someone to watch it, then make sure you send them that link. Because remember, having these conversations doesn't need to change the world. It might, though, just change your world. Okay, with that said, time for the show. Enjoy. So, Jacko, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for mate. coming. Nice to be here. It's a lovely little spot we're here today in the, the Sydney's Man Cave. It's very, very nice. One of the things we like to do here on Beyond the Beers is get to know the guests a little bit uh, first of all. So what I want to do is I want you to give us a little bit of the casual over a beer. What do you spend your time doing and how do you make an impact in the world? Right, um, so for me, my sort of time is all about giving back to others. So I'm, I'm really passionate about my job. I get yep. to wake up every day pretty excited about what I do. So for my job, I get to go out and um, present to youth, um, adults, all sorts of mixed type of um, people. And 
sort of motivate them to achieve what they want to achieve and um, just not limit themselves to that sort of nine to five grind of just paying the bills and that sort of thing. Sort okay. of follow their dreams, as you'd say. Uh, the second thing I'm really passionate about is disability. So I hate the fact that um, disabled people just are really categorised as people that can't really do anything. Mm -hmm. So um, sort of my passion and a charity that I work with called Dandelions, um, we're all about giving kids and adults opportunities to play a bit of sport, network, have a bit of fun and just go beyond their disability to show people that they really can do some things and really yeah. really show the world they're a bit of a person as well and not that. So our sort of philosophy behind that is um, it's di differability, not disability, so just okay. a different ability. Yeah, so yeah, cool. not Because not, sort of disability um, categorises them straight away as they have, like it's like that word dis, like they can't do something. So differability just means they're a little bit different, doesn't mean they can't do it. And um, so that's why we like to call that what we do. Um, but Very outside nice. of work, um, I love my footy, yeah. love my sport, love my horses. Um, I grew up on a, on a horse farm, so um, that's sort of what I love and that's what I sort of get around. So, and I know the stuff about you, right, which is partly of what uh, intrigued me about you. But the real thing that intrigued me was the story behind it. So can you tell us how you got to that point? So I sort of, um, it's sort of all like the pinnacle of the, my story sort of started um, late end of high school where I suffered a pretty debilitating neck injury. So um, I can't feel from my shoulder up on my left side. I can't move really taste properly. You have a lot of problem um, like um, swallowing food because um, my esophagus doesn't work properly. So all these different challenges I have. So Absolutely. sometimes a couple of beers in, you have a bit of struggles getting the beer down without having to choke or two. But uh, all these different challenges and it all uh, stemmed from a football injury. Yep. Um, at training, just um, unfortunate event where someone put a bit of a shot on me and put me in a pretty dangerous spot. So my sort of life um, went from being easy, just comfortable, like um, going to school, playing footy, everything set out in front of me, to sort of being thrown in the deep end and have to figure out for myself what I was wanted to do. And I still still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to come across this organisation that really built me up and then yep. sort of gave me this attitude of giving back. And then that was further cemented in when I went for a trip to Timor and built a few skills. So I really sort of developed this culture where it's all about giving back to people. And if you give back, people are going to start giving back to you as well. Very That's nice. sort of my philosophy behind it. Very nice. And so I, I feel like you're kind of underselling the story a little bit there. The thing that I really, that really resonated with me from you was that it was a very serious injury. You broke your neck. You had to learn to walk again, but also to talk again, right? So you talk about, you know, different ability. There was a lot of that seriously impacted on you, right? Yeah. So it wasn't so much the walking again. That was pretty fine. It's just the talking again. Yeah. So um, my voice box was, um, just didn't give out words properly. So I'd have a real strong lisp. I wouldn't be able to finish my words properly. Um, it was all to do with um, the, all the numbness and the, the different nerve um, endings not working properly. Yep. So there's a, there's a nerve that runs in your face. It's called the fifth nerve. And what happens is there's five nerves that branch out in your face. When I got hit, mine was torn back out of my um, face and snapped um, in the channel, which is behind your ear. So all my facial nerves don't work properly. So I can't smile properly. My eye doesn't work properly. Um, doesn't like blink and that sort of stuff. So... I've got, they've got to put a gold weight in there later to make sure I can bleak properly. Um, so all those sort of things, and that's what stopped me talking properly. So you're still going through some Still therapies. going through that. So one how long ago is this? Uh, four years ago now. Okay, which is four pretty... years. You're still going through it, but you're, it's certainly not something that holds you back. No, clearly. definitely not. Like, it stops me playing my footy, which is yeah. one of my, which was a massive passion of mine, because yeah. my brother plays it, my family love it. So it's a bit of a passion. But um, just everyday things that are a bit of a struggle, like if I can't really choose state properly because of that, the struggle with the esophagus. I remember you the sharing that flap, one in, in Cambodia. Yeah, that was your big thing. The little thing. flap just doesn't cover my windpipe anymore. So if I don't do what I've got to do properly, I'll probably choke and have a bit of trouble and be splitting up a bit. But just all those little challenges of talking again, going through rehab and spending my weekends at the Mile Hospital instead of being out of football yeah. pitch were pretty tough to yeah. sort of bring my, bring my mind around, for sure. And that's one of the things that 
Uh, yeah, massively impressed me with you was your perspective on life. You know, for, for such a young guy, you've got a, a very sound, but still youthful, head on your shoulders. You've been through some pretty big challenges yeah. in terms of uh, that story of your recovery. So I'm interested to know what other challenges you've faced in your life or do you face? Probably the biggest one for me was because um, I went to such a heavily football school, I had to leave that school because of a few challenges because I wasn't playing football anymore and there was some, some um, bit of tension there with the school. So I left that school and I had to start again. Mm-hmm. New friends, um, all that sort of stuff. So I didn't really know what I liked anymore. So I was that like, football was everything. Like we played rep football, mm-hmm. we played school football. Like and so at this stage you were what, about 17? Yeah, 16, 17. So that was like my life. Um, so I had to change that and sort of find these new friends, get my groove back into my study because that was like my, I do my new thing and like find all these new sports and all that sort of stuff. So it's a big step up to sort of um, change my life path where it was going to be play a bit of footy and be a tradie to mm-hmm. um, go into a life path where I'll probably have to study because being in a corporate job is probably where I'm going to have to be because of the injury. Like being a tradie is going to be a bit rough on my back, rough on my neck and I've already, already suffered some pains from injury as it is. So learning to forget that life path was pretty tough. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of sent me into a bit of a spiral um, down, downward because... Um, when you lose everything, you've got to rebuild and you can't always see that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So I had to um, just um, battle away, as I like to say, chip at the rock and um, find things I like. Like I really started to like basketball. Yeah. Found some really good mates that were interested in the same sort of stuff I was. And then as soon as that Y-Lead company came along, I yeah. really sort of settled into my groove, um, found what I liked, um, found that I was really good at meeting people and really good at um, telling stories and that sort of stuff. And sort of found that maybe my career path would be in front of people and yep. telling a few jokes, making people laugh, but making sure they're getting inspired to follow what they want to do. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I got from you in Cambodia was the stories, rooming with you for 12 nights. Yeah, was telling some chat. Mate, it was, it was great. Um, and, and, you know, it, it showed how personable you are and, uh, and how you've taken some pretty heavy shit in your stride mm. and uh, come out the other side. Yeah, just battled it. One of the topics that we like to talk about here on Beyond the Bears is the, con- uh, the topic of manhood and yeah. how to improve ourselves as men and individuals. Now, I know that uh, in your work, you're often dealing with boys and men, a, a range of ages yeah. right, and stages in life. So I'm interested to get your take on what you think it is to be a man today. Um, I think it's really tough for us boys or men to sort of figure out what that is because mm-hmm. at the moment... Um, Look, don't get me wrong, I love the feminist movement. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Everyone should be on the same page. I agree with that completely. But we've sort of told boys that they can't be boys anymore. We've given them, oh, if you don't, if you don't um, do this, you're, a, you're this. And if you're always around girls, you've got the chance of being a sexual predator. And you've got all this sort of stuff thrown at them. Mm-hmm. And we've sort of said, boys, you can't do that. And sort of we've sheltered them a lot. And there, was this, there used to be with boys, you'd used to try and be the alpha male and you'd be the protector yep. and you'd be the strong one and you'd be the main income earner of your family. And we sort of told them, no, that's not the thing. Pull yourself back, control your urges, control who you are, and you're not allowed to express yourself. So I think we've sort of cha- really challenged that for boys and it's become sort of a space where boys are really challenged to find who they are. So, so do you think that they are challenged in the sense that they are finding it challenging? Yeah, I think like they're challenged to not follow what they want to do, but yep. sort of sculpt how society, they have to sculpt themselves to what society thinks a man okay. should be. Yeah, yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of boys are coming out there, um, a lot of depression, yep. high suicide rates, all that sort of stuff, because I don't and think they're And are you talking finding. to these kind of people's yeah, people definitely. on a daily basis? Um, and boys are really struggling to find who they are. Like for me, if 
if I look at the pinnacle of a man in today's society, it's someone who gives the community, has a great family, really good to his partner, really good to his or whoever the partner may be, yep. whether a man or a woman, um, has a good job, loves what he does, um, and just really moulds in society and is, is like a giver yep. and, a, and a protector. So he contributes. Contributes, but exactly. A, a bit of a, uh, to some degree, perhaps a bit of a, like a North Star. That's right. For, for, for a role model. That's right, like yep. a role model to younger men. But I think society's just told men to be, okay, um, what your role is, be a nice person, rah, rah, and just fit in, yep. rather than be that strong influence, be that strong role model, be that yep. someone, someone to look up to and go, hey, I look at him, let's say his name's Ben, I look at Ben, great job, great family, goes out, leads the community, and like given that opportunity to lead, where mm-hmm. we're not telling young boys to lead, we're just telling young boys to fit in. Yep. I think it's going to create like a real bit of a, a challenging sphere for men, and I think that's why, that's what you see in my generation of boys being really socially awkward and that because they just yeah. haven't really pushed themselves to find who they are and sort of okay. step up to be that man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I would agree with you there and I think that was the key little thing you said at the end there, find who they are. Yeah. Just a little bit lost as to where they are and it also sounds like you went through that to some degree yourself in the sense that your identity was football player, probably yeah, trade at some point. Yeah. And then that got stripped. one fell swoop taken yeah. away. Stripped right? out. So I had to... But you did that work. Yeah. Yep. So... Went from the football player, like leader at school, going to be a trade alpha male figure, to new school, better, like a bit of a beta sort of person, like down the bottom. Yep. Still testing the waters, not as confident, not as many friends, and sort yep. of trying to have to find who I was while I had these sort of other influences trying to tell me who I should be, rather than yep. letting me be who I am. Yeah, so do you find now that you've, you've found that? You've managed yeah, to, I think, you know, kind of shake off the, the conditioning or the expectations to find your own path? I think I've still got... There's a lot of those conditions that are just constantly placed on you, whether it's through media, family, friends, or mm-hmm. mentors. But I think I've really started to figure out that um, this is what I want to do. It's okay to be able to do what I want to do. Um, I'm allowed to break the path of going to uni, spending five years there, yep. going in a desk job that you hate doing and just finding what you want to do. So I think yeah, I've broken nice. that mould, but I still think I'm finding um, who I really want to be. Because you know, like, so some days where you wake up, and say you're going to an all-girls school and you've got to be like, okay, I'm going to have to chuck on this bit of a mask where I take off my ochre, like yeah. who I am. Yeah, so you're talking about when you're going to present. Yeah, yeah, so like that's the toughest thing for me. Like Sometimes I have to take off my really ochre strong, strong man, strong-willed, speaks my opinion, to be a bit softer, calmer, yeah. gentler. So that's the part I struggle with because I hate changing who I am. Yeah. So I work so yeah, hard yeah. to get there. Absolutely. And, I, and that reminds me of one of the stories that I remember you sharing was, to me... That, yeah, it, very ochre, right? Yeah. Getting up in front of your school and saying a few cuss words, but being 100% yourself, which I absolutely yeah. love. Okay, so you shared that story of what, what you think it is to be a man. I really like those things that you said, qualities around, you know, on a career that is meaningful to them, good family man, good to the people in their life, yeah. um, giving back to community and, and contributing. And so yeah, on. leader. So were there or are there influential men that have helped you paint this picture? Yeah, like um, if I start with my dad... Um, ran our own horse racing business. Mm-hmm. He's a butcher, and he uh, always took me and my Carter, oh, me and my brother Carter, to every football game, every training. Picked us up from school. Didn't matter what we were doing, he was always there. So that sort of model in my life is all about working hard for what you've got. So if, if, even if you've got all these different things going on in your life, you still give 100 percent to it. You still work mm-hmm. hard. That's like giving to your family. And the other side that he showed me is you've got to be there for people as well. It doesn't matter who they are. You just always got to be there and having someone's back. So if you're not doing that, you're not really showing yep. you love them. So I think that's like that big influence on me and it's really 
influence my life to make sure I'm always there for people, whether yep. it's best mates, girlfriends, whoever. Like, I'm always there. It doesn't matter what time. doesn't matter where they are. Make sure I'm yep. there. And that second side of just working really hard for what you got. So in my job, making sure I'm working hard and running that charity of mine, like with um, Dandelions, helping mm-hmm. them out. Always put big effort in, always pushing big ideas and just trying to make sure I'm living up to those expectations. Yep. And then probably the second one was um, my principal, Brendan Law, at that new school. I'll never forget the first day I went there. He said, the words he said to me, he sat me down in the chair. He's like, Jackson, I heard what happened to you. I'm disgusted what happened to you, but we're going to change it. And like that to me is just someone who had complete confidence in me, met me for one day and willing to give to me. And he just taught me like all these different things, gave me a lot of confidence in myself. So that sort of kept um, shaping that model of me, making sure I'm giving back and make just sort of made me realise how much of an influence words can have and how much of an influence someone being there for, like, for you can have as well. Yeah. So I really pride myself now on that sort of one-on-one mentoring and I've got a lot of people around Australia that I mentor at the moment and it's all about making sure I'm there for them, giving them a hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I just caught up with one of my uh, the girls I mentor in Terrigal um, Central Coast the other day yeah. and we had a good chat and it just keeps reinforcing to me that that influence that Brendan Lawler had, my principal, has helped shape me to what I want to do. Very cool. Yeah. So, so then let me ask you very quickly, because a lot of that, um, I really like it, a lot of that you've spoken about giving. Yeah. Giving. So, and, and this might maybe relate to the model or the models that you're talking about, but do you find it easy enough to let other people give to you? That's something I struggle with. Um, I've had a lot of people in my life that wants to con- want to constantly give to me. Like, mm-hmm. here I'll do this for you, here I'll do that for you. But for me that isn't, it's tough for me to do that because I'm the person that does that yep. and it's hard for me to go step back and go, okay, I've got to let my reins down mm-hmm. and stop being that leader in that sort of aspect of my life yep. and let people lead it for me. So I really struggle with that, but there's plenty of people that do it. It's just I can't let people help me out. Okay. So yeah. maybe that's something to, uh, to, to think about in yeah. terms of this, you know, being this very whole Holistic whole man, sort of approach, right? yeah. I think it's the ego thing as well. Like I've got this yep. massive ego. Like I'm not going to lie, I've got a big ego and I'm confident, but... I think it's as soon as I'm, I let people in, my ego, like, it's, it suffers. Okay. So I don't, um, I, like, lose a bit of confidence. I've gone, I'm, like, for me, when I hit that injury, my main thing was I didn't want to be weak. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget, a psychiatrist wanted to help me out. Uh, and I was like, on the first day, no, nah, Jackson, it's okay to feel upset. Jackson, it's okay. I said, <laughs> you're just talking crap. I don't have any time for you. I can do this myself. And I kept saying that the whole way through. So that's sort of been my motto, and that's what's helped me got through, like, don't get me wrong, silly approach, but that worked for me. Yeah. And I think that's the problem what stems So you had the awareness around that at the time? Yeah, yeah. definitely. It was a, it, it's a weakness on my behalf, but for me that worked, okay. of just not letting other people dictate how yeah. I should feel, letting myself just figure it so out. So you owned your story, you yeah. took responsibility for it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And I think that's quite an important little uh, difference here, right? There's a difference between being pig-headed and saying, no, 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 you can't help me, versus yeah. accepting full responsibility for your yeah. life and your journey. That's right. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want anyone else to have like any responsibility to like saying like if I let that psychiatrist in she have a responsibility to help me out mm-hmm. and I didn't want anyone else to feel the responsibility to help me out it's my own path it, this happened to me I can deal with it I don't yep. need anyone else to suffer what I'm suffering so that was sort of the approach I had okay so we're on this topic of manhood and we've kind of touched on it very briefly but what do you think then given your own experiences in life and talking and dealing with a lot of males around Australia what do you think are the biggest issues facing us today and then as an extension of that you personally? Um, I think the biggest issue for men at the moment um, that sort of that I'm finding is um, being that provider, mm-hmm. being the classic, I'm the man, I'm the main income earner, my family will be this. 
And know. so you mean by that you mean a pressure or expectation? Yes, yeah. I think so completely. Like um, one stage of the argument, there's a lot of lot of influence in young people at the moment, which is excellent, saying follow your dreams, chase them really hard. Mm-hmm. Now the other side, some of these dreams can't um, provide that big income of being the main income yeah, earner. So they're following their dreams, but the expectation here of being a great man is having a big income providing for your family. This dream isn't chasing the expectation there. So they've got all these pressures like, I'm following my dreams, but I'm not being that alpha male that I'm supposed to be. So then they've got that, that gap there where they can't fill, mm-hmm. and it leads to a bit of depression and a bit of anxiety because yeah. they're not filling that. Yeah. And then that next thing is the whole, we're just not letting men be men anymore. We're not, tell, we're not letting them be leaders. We're not letting them be strong-willed. We're sort of taking away their like manhood yeah and for that like you can't suppress those things it's natural for us to be like go to school and want to push around each other and be the alpha male or push around and find the pecking order that's natural for us to do yeah. but we're walking into school and saying this is your structure don't go near each other don't touch each other don't play hard football if you play football you're a brute if you you play this sport you're a wussy like all those sort of pressures and kids are just playing some sport like it shouldn't dictate who you are yeah so there's all those sort of like social statues that are putting kids in okay. pretty precarious spots as well. So a lot of that's still coming back to conditioning and essentially pressures and expectations coming down right. through uh, individuals and then through society kind of as a whole. Right. And then yeah. if we look at like, I'd say your generation, some of the people I'm friends with, the blokes who played football are the alphas and kings, even though they might not be good blokes. The blokes who played the softer sports like, oh, apologies for my reference there, but like soccer <laughs> or anything like that, they're not considered as manly as those blokes. Mm-hmm. And the blokes that love music, love drama, really creative blokes are not even considered in the picture at all. They're not considered men, and I hate that. Because, like, <laughs> we go to the movies and watch creative people, but we think it's the greatest thing in the world. But yet, as soon as we meet one of them, we think they're a wussy. We love listening to music on the radio, mm-hmm. and we, don't, we think they're, like... Just so we've like kind of got these two images, polar opposites. Exactly right, yeah. and they don't make sense. Yeah. Which is a real shame, because you shouldn't feel like, because you've chosen to do something, you're not the man. You're yeah. not an alpha, you're not strong, you're not willed. Like, yeah. I think we've really put that pressure, like, you've got to be big-muscled. And then you look at, like, those magazines, like Men's Health. I know you've featured in some of those Men's Fitness with your big six-pack and stuff. And, like, men look at that and go, shit, here I am with a bit of a dad bod at 16. There's Mike Campbell, massive shoulders, great <laughs> biceps, great abs. And there's these other blokes on there as well. And they look at that and go, shit, I'm not that. Yeah. And these used to be, like, challenges that just face, like, young girls. Yeah, now they're men facing them as well. So, like, you go to gym now, you don't, and I only ever see, like, blokes in their mid-20s working out. You see kids, like, as young as 13 in there, busting their choppers to try and do it. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends is a personal trainer up in Brisbane, and um, he specialises in anorexia. And now he's getting more boys in than girls with anorexia. Yeah. And which is a real shame, because boys, we're, we're, we play a lot of sport, we're always hungry, and yet there's all these boys that have anorexia, because they're looking at these yeah. magazines and shaking, because yeah. they've got, like, no muscles and no, like, or maybe they're fat, and they look at it and go, well... I'm not a man because I don't look like him and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, and, and I would agree, there's a lot of this general kind of expectation mm. on what it should be, yeah. and, and I think you're quite right in this kind of two ends of the spectrum, right? The overt, perhaps, macho, and then the complete other side of that, and, and there's a lack of that kind of balance. Yeah. So then what about you as you personally? Um, so the biggest thing for me is, is um, sort of owning my confidence or mm-hmm. owning my person. So there's like, there's a thing that I like to refer to. There's that confidence where you walk into a room completely arrogant. You're better than every bloke. Mm-hmm. Then there's that confidence of walking into any room and just like not having to compare. Mm-hmm. So you walk in so and you're, you're happy you're in conf- your skin. And exactly that's right. Yep. So for me, the biggest challenge for me is owning that. Because yeah. like if I look at me, like I hate saying it and I hate opening up to it, but 
half my face doesn't work. <laughs> I like. I was expecting is. that to be what you said. Yeah, half my face doesn't work. <laughs> my eyes constantly infected and constantly red. I've got like a droopy eye as well. Eyebrow drops down a bit, so I look a bit funny. So that's my start, the starting point. Before I even open that door, yeah, that's me. Some of my words don't come out perfectly. So some people automatically think, oh, he's got a lips or he's got this. or yep, yep. So there's all these sort of steps before someone's even met mm-hmm. me. So for me walking and into these a room... And these are things that are very present in your head. Very present. Yep. Because every morning, I walk, every morning I wake up, I walk into a room and I look at it. I'm like, okay, I'm Jackson Hall. I do this, this and this. But half my face doesn't work. I've got this. My eyes up the shit. Mm-hmm. Up shit's great. <laughs> this, this, this. What the fuck? Yeah. Compared to just being like, Jackson Hall, great job. Gives to charity, rah, rah, rah. And filling what I believe to be a male, like the ultimate male in, yeah. in my eyes. Yeah. So instead of walking in that room and being like, this is me, how I is, I'm being like, okay, I've got this, 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 and sort of playing on my mind. So that for me to really own who I am and to sort of fit into that ultimate yep. man that I want to be is sort of eliminating them. Like they're mm-hmm. not going to change. The whole face thing can't change. There's no nerve feeling in there. Um, they were talking about putting Botox in my face to sort of pull it out a bit and make it look a bit more sharp, but they can, they can keep that. <laughs> Yeah. So owning that walk into the room where I don't have to worry about it. And so, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. So then, are you saying that there's times where that perhaps um, more forced confidence comes out to counter for that? That's side? right. So before I open that door in front of me, I'd be okay. Chuck the mask on. Overconfident. Compensate. 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 Yeah. Boom. Okay. In mindset change. Yeah. So how does it feel to talk about that as one of your big issues, the fact that there's these things going on? I hate it because I'm a very one-faced person. Like, I am who I am. I swear, I'm loud, Mm -hmm. I like to drink, and I'm I'm confident. I hate to open up about me having these, like, facial issues because that's not, that sort of takes away from who I am. Of course, but, but let me interject. That is who you are, and that's one of the things that I personally was so attracted to because you are who you are and that's such a fascinating aspect of your story. Mm. Yeah, completely. It's just still walking that room and not having to worry about that 20% of who yep. I am. Yep. And it's not big like that. It's just this part of me. Yeah. But still, it still has that massive impact before you go and meet. Absolutely. And in a job where I'm constantly networking, yep. constantly meeting big people, constantly meeting new people as well, it's sort of challenging to be able to go okay, this person's really important to me. I've got to make sure I'm this, 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 and then go, okay, but half my face doesn't work. But I think that this is an important point to make, which is everyone's got that stuff. Everyone's got a little less in there somewhere, right? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Some people overweight, some people overskip. Yeah, or whatever that is in their head. They might not be, but that's their story, right? And that's what it comes back to is our story, owning that, right, and being, being you. Okay, now obviously, you know, beyond the beers, right? One of the aims of this show, very much so, is to encourage men to have more meaningful conversations that go beyond the normal kind of banter that we have over a beer, right? So I'm interested to know, because it's, it's hard sometimes, mm. and you've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but is there stuff that you struggle to go into, that you struggle to talk about, that you might avoid, or maybe just have surface-level conversation instead of? So um, it's probably the whole like, neck injury itself. Like when I, tell, I tell my story a lot at work. Mm-hmm. But when I tell my story, if we look at like, say it's a puddle, I tell the, the surface ripples, mm-hmm. and yet there's the, there's the underwater, there's the plant life, there's all the, the animals as well, and none of that gets told, spoken yeah. about. New people coming into my life. So the people that knew about it, probably the ex-girlfriend, the new girlfriend, of course, um, best mates, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Really, they really know what's going on. 
because they, they hear about it. They want to know. They're very interested. Like after yeah. a while, I just go, nah, fuck it. This is what's going on, lads, or this is what's going on, babe. But the new people that come in that start meaning something, new people that are yeah. in and really take a lot of care and who I am and that sort of stuff, telling them what happened, telling them what I'm doing. Yeah, and by that do you mean like what you've been through? Yeah, because even stuff as even well. some days it's tough. Like I walk into a school, and older kids are good at it. Cause they don't they're too respectful. But younger kids, like if you go like let's think under 13, 13 under, what's wrong with your eyes, sir? So why do you only smile? Why have you got like half a smile? What's going on, sir? Yeah. Oh, so where do you always touch your neck? Like stuff like that, and then it like hits with the heartstrings. Yeah. And then you just say to them, oh, I just had just had a tough day, or just oh I got my eye infected, I was out in the dust. So. Days like that where you've just got that constantly said yep. to you all day is tough. And then like, yeah, like I said, new people coming in and they want to know what's going on, but you only tell them this much. And they're like, no, there's more to it, Jacko. Like, yeah. that's not all that happens. So, so getting into the real depths of that conversation yeah. is a stuff it's still pretty fresh, hey? Like, yeah. it's still completely fresh. And what went on was like completely unacceptable. Like, for me to be at a training session and get hit by my own teammate and break, like, do some serious damage to my neck and have a bit of brain damage and complete facial palsy. It's pretty serious. That's not Absolutely. like an everyday thing. And that's not what your teammates do. You go to training, have a bit of a high five, and yet some big fuckhead wants to chuck a big shot on you and completely ruin that and take away your ability to go step on a football. Yeah, so let's just pinpoint that. So you're talking about a purposeful hit. Yeah, right? a purposeful yeah. hit. So something that you can, you're never expecting it, but no, in those exactly conditions, right. certainly not. At training, in a touch drill, purposeful hit, yep. boom, life changed. So for me to bring that up to other people, isn't the, isn't the greatest thing for me to mm-hmm. do. Because mm-hmm. I get shakes, I get angry, I get goosebumps, I get pissed off. Because yep. that should never have happened. Yeah, and yeah, I shouldn't okay. be sitting here today telling someone that half my face doesn't work, in constant pain, can't taste properly, yep. all this shit, where I should just be sitting here saying, oh, hey, nice to meet you, mate. I play footy, let's yep. go grab a beer. What yep. do you do? I'm a builder. What do you do? Sweet. Everything should be normal. Where I'm well, sit thank here. you for coming in and sharing that yeah. story with us. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. And where I've got to sit here and tell everyone all this hurtful shit that's happened to yeah. me and tell them that my life completely changed because of one bloke's actions of what he decided to do one day after a, after a training session. And then people want to hear about it. Yeah. And the classic one for me is people say, oh, are you okay? As soon as people say that, I want to punch them. Yeah. So I hate that. I hate people being like, oh, are you all right? Oh, so, right. so what do you think it is about that? that question? That question. I don't know what it is, but as soon as people say, are you okay? For me, that's weakness. Mm-hmm. And I hate being told I'm weak. I hate people saying that because I fought so hard not to be that. So as soon as someone says, are you okay for me, that's someone telling me I'm weak. So I just want to knock them on. And I, I almost do. Like, I've just got to pull back and be like... So then let me put this to you because you are speaking a lot earlier about your desire and then willingness to give yeah. to people. So the words might be different, but do you find that you, if you think about it, ask a question similar to that to other people? Never. Yeah. All I ever say, if I'm like, so Timor, it's never about them being okay. It's saying here, Timor, sorry. East Timor. Yeah. So when I went over for school, it was never about, oh, these people are so unfortunate. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Where they're that happy with what they got. It's me just going and saying, hey, I've got an opportunity. Here's something I've given to you. Hope you guys enjoy it. Not saying, oh, I feel so sorry for you guys. I feel that sorry yeah. that I've built you a school. There you just go. Yeah. For me, to them, that's disrespectful. So coming on on the same level. Yeah, for me, coming in and saying, I'm this big western, I've got all, like, there's all this money and we built your school. We feel sorry for you, here's a school, do work. Where yeah. me coming in being like, hey, love how happy you guys are, we thought we'd build this for you, here's a nice school, whatever you want to use it for, cool, it looks great, thanks for helping us building yep. it, have a nice day, see you next year. Completely different angle. For me with disability, coming in and saying, hey guys, awesome to meet you, today we're going to play a bit of sport, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to enjoy it with you. Yep. Rather than being like, hey guys, today we put on a sporting event. Uh, we know you guys never get to play sport. We know your dad's never seen you play sport before. Yeah, so we yeah. thought we'd run one for you. Yeah. So then when you're getting that question, is it a case of feeling like you're being talked down to? Yeah, it's feeling like I've been like, I'm not respected and feeling yeah. like I'm weak and feeling like that person there is more stronger than me and they're yeah. asking me and they've got some advice they can give me and they've got some help they can give me. Where, no, fuck off. Talk to me normal. Just have a chat with me. Just say what's going on. Not just saying like, right. like for someone to say to me, hey, Jacko, how's everything been? Completely different question. Yep, yep. I can say, oh, look, this day's been a bit rough. Rah, rah, rah. I can tell people. Yep. So you are happy to delve happy into that stuff and give a genuine answer? Exactly yep. right. But if, as soon as you tell me, like, as soon as you ask a question that automatically in my mind makes me feel weak, not like, to me, that's disrespectful. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, the key thing there being that, that level. Yeah, Someone's the angle perhaps and approach. you're under or, or needing help level. as opposed to just... Being, being there, for, there you. for you, yeah. Yep. Come okay. at the same angle. Just come in and offer support. Cool. Yeah. Okay, now this might feed into that a little bit, but have there been specific stories in your life where you have struggled to reach out for or ask for help or simply just to talk about something that you needed to talk about? Um, probably if we snap back last year, I had to make a really big decision. Mm-hmm. So I was helping run Oztag in my area, which is a sport. I was going to university. I was helping with charities and I was doing a lot of community work, hunt, like more, like every day I was mm-hmm. busting my gut. Then a job opportunity came up at Wiley. I was volunteering for them, doing a bit of contract work. So a bit of 50-50 split there with them. And then opportunity came up there for a full-time job. And I had to make a massive decision in that week. I only had a week to make it. That's mm-hmm. all they gave me. I had to give up the path that I worked so hard to get, that I studied so hard for, that I worked so hard for, yep. which was full-time study and go mm-hmm. into a job that I was, thought that I wanted to do. Or yep. cut that back to full-time, change my degree from four to eight years, let go of my community work, let go of my sport that I was so passionately devoted to, yep. Oztag, because they gave me a lot of opportunities. They let me present in schools. They gave a lot to me. So for me to let them go was a big, hard decision because yep. they gave me so much and I didn't feel like I gave them enough back. And only hold on to my dandelion charity. So that I could yep. only hold on to that one if I was going to work for Wiley. Yep. Only, that would be the only time I'd have would be allowed to be invested in them. So Wileed and Dandelion compared to uni and all these other things I was doing. So for me to make that choice of working hard for that and giving that up to move on to that was really tough. And it sort of changed who I was. And for me to just have to swallow that, not tell anyone, was pretty tough as well. So you didn't? I never told anyone. Yeah. Did you think about? Of course I did. Of course I would have wanted to go to someone and say, what's your opinion? And who would that person be? Probably mum or dad or Brendan Lawler. I'd probably send him an email and say, hey champ, this is what's happening. What should I do? Um, but then the other problem is one of my best mentors in my life is actually the boss of Wileed. Okay. He's the CEO. Yeah. So if I go to him and say, hey, mate, he's like he's a great model, model, great mentor, but his opinion and path that he reckons I should go on would be his work because yep. that's, that's where his life's devoted. So, of course, of course. he's going to want me to come across. Yeah. So I couldn't go to him, automatically reeled out. Didn't want to go to my mates because they, they don't like do the same stuff I do. Yep. Very respectable blokes, great at what they do, yep. great jobs, work really hard, but they don't do a lot of charity work and they don't do a lot of, so they're different blokes, different yep. personalities. And I think that's very common, so I'll interject very quickly. A lot of guys struggle, and this is one of the big things for me with the show, is struggle to have those more meaningful conversations with our mates. Yeah, with what they mean in our lives, whoever they are. Yep. Yeah, so that was a silly, that was automatic, like, that's, I've learned from that. That was yep. silly for me to go, oh, but they don't do the same things as me, they're not going to know, because mm-hmm. they will know. Yep. Of course they know, that's silly for me to think that. Yeah, they're your mates. They're my mates, of course, and they're going to tell me the best thing for me, because they're good blokes. And then my parents, I was like, nah, but mum will want me to go to uni because mum's highly educated. 
I was doing a bit of work down at the butcher shop and he loved me being there. He loved me going to work with him every day. He yeah. loved that. And I loved that too. It was great going to work with dad and his brothers. But dad would be like, oh, just stay with me, mate. Everything's good. You're doing uni. You're happy, mm -hmm. bro. Like, stay that. So I couldn't go to dad because he'd give me that opinion. So for me, I just had to swallow it all and take mm -hmm. it on my own step. So I just had to swallow it and I just jumped. I just thought, this is, this is a good job. They gave a lot yep, to me. Yeah, so you made the decision to change. To change, yep. to go to Wallet. So then one thing that I think is quite interesting there is Essentially, what you have done is decided what you think your parents would say. Yeah. Without giving them the chance to actually exactly right. potentially surprise Preconceived. you. Preconceived. Right? Preconceived yeah. ideas, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. And we all do it, right? Oh, That's why, you know, when it's I see natural. those things, I resonate myself and so on. Yeah. Okay, so then leading on from that, can you share any stories where similar, the thought of having a conversation scared you, but you did it, and it was a success? So, um,. We'll snap back to when the neck happened two weeks after, or probably, let's say, two months after, sorry, mm -hmm. so eight weeks, uh, to make a decision whether I was going to change skills or not. Stay in an environment where I wasn't supported, I was pushed down, just wanted me to fit in, or change to a school where I reckon I could build myself up. So yep. I had a best mate that I was friends with from primary school, and for me, I had to go to him, because if I was going to make this move, he'd have to deal with me. Yep. So I went to him and I said, look, this is what I want to do. I didn't want to see him. I, did, I dreaded it. I was just going to... Yep. Just swallow my pride and just start. So the idea of confronting him with this conversation Shit's was scary. scary. Yep. Shit's scary because I didn't know what he'd say. I went to him and sat him down. I said, Louis, look, this this situation, you know what's happening. I want to change to the skill down the road. And he was like, look, they've stuffed my brother around as well. Maybe I should make the change. Maybe I should go. So we had a bit of a chat. Yeah, okay. It was great. We said what we said and we said we're going to move. I was going to do it straight away. He was going to do it at the end of the term. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And then I went home that day. Didn't want to tell mum and dad, but I did. Burst out in tears and said, hey, it's time for a change. School shit. I need yeah. to go to this better school. Can't stand around fuckheads anymore. Um, I've had enough for I love how this would be the exact words that you said. Exact too. words I said. Yeah. I said, I can't stand around fuckheads anymore. Um, they're changing who I am. It's not a good environment. I need to switch. Yep. And I didn't want to do any of that. For me, um, I'm all about structure, routine, discipline mm -hmm. and for me to go for a school where I love discipline and that yeah. school's very disciplined where I had structure uniform perfect I love that so I reckon that that's why I like I really respect the army because they've got that mm -hmm. um, for me to completely break discipline and break the mold and say hey you guys are dickheads yeah. like you're you just you've got no fucking idea and tell them that was hard for me as well because I've broken my code of being disciplined mm -hmm. and I've broken the yeah. respect of that school which I gave a lot to yeah. so that was hard as well to sort of go nah See you later, on your high horse, I'm mm -hmm. off. So that was hard as well. Yeah, but you had those conversations, the outcome was successful. And the outcome was exactly so what So would I you say that, because I think this is something that's very common, and I've certainly been there plenty of times myself, mm. we can think about what, what is going to be like this worst case scenario. Yeah, and so I think that's the biggest thing. Build up the story in our head, and then at the end of the day we have it, and it's nowhere near as bad as we Our preconceived ideas are always worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. They're never middle or best case scenario. They're always worst case scenario. And if yeah. we just let that play, most of the time it's never going to happen. That worst case scenario is probably 95% chance it's not going to happen. But it keeps us frozen, right? Keeps so we us, don't act. It keeps us stagnant. Yeah. We can't move forward with yeah. that preconceived. So you see this in your own life, but do you definitely. see this when you're out presenting, talking to people as well? Yeah, definitely. Like for me, um, my biggest dream is to open up a gym mm -hmm. and present to, to men on my basis and do it for myself. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing holding me back is that but starting your own business is scary. Mm -hmm. Starting a gym, what if it fails? Mm -hmm. What if people don't want to get me? Mm -hmm. What if people don't like what I have to say? And that's just bullshit. I've made that for myself. Yeah, well, what about the flip of all of those? What about the flip? What if it succeeds? Run a successful business. Yeah. Great presenter. 
So do you think about that stuff? I do. Yeah. So for me, I've just got to make sure I figure out cool. that that's crap. Yeah. And I'm confident enough to do it. But being aware that that story is happening in your head, right? And I think that's a very yeah. important fact. That Knowing it's there. We can play out this story because we yeah. all have these stories in our head and often it's the worst case scenario or something. So recognizing that it's happening and then thinking about well, what's actually the best case or the potential best case. Mm. Okay, so now I'm very interested because, you know, we're speaking about conversation, right? And for me, yeah. one of the big things is having the internal conversation, asking yourself the big questions and the things that you spoke about earlier around knowing who you are, right? forging your path. So do you have what I would call an extension of that internal conversation, rules or a code or perhaps maxims that you live by? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably the biggest one for me is like take advantage of every opportunity. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I had nothing, opportunities what got me to where I was and I had this real like obsession with saying yes to everything. Yeah. So it didn't matter what it was, didn't matter how big the person was, didn't matter how much money they had or what stature they had. Just saying yes to any opportunity they gave yep. to me. So like they've given me an opportunity, they've seen something in me, and it's like a it's a risk they're taking by giving it to me. Yep. So it'd be like disrespectful for me not to take it. Cool. For me to take that opportunity, I don't know where it could lead. So took Oztag, awesome, loved it. Yep. Took took um, Wiley, led me to my dandelion charity. Like all these different opportunities yeah, yeah. have sort of made a tree for me and give, gave me a bit of a network. Like now I'm mates with the bloke who runs Thank You Water. Like all these different opportunities yep. lead me to meet these pretty cool people and. For me, that sort of obsession with saying yes to opportunity, and I'm sure with you and your business, like every opportunity that you've taken has led you somewhere pretty special, and you've met yeah. some different. Or, people. by the way, or not, right? But it's leading definitely. to a lesson from which to perhaps gauge. Because there's definitely opportunities you take that lead straight to a dead end, yeah. and you've got nothing but you just backtrack back and try find yeah, another. It was a lesson. Exactly. Cool. Right. So taking saying yes to opportunities. Yeah. Anything definitely. else? Um, I just think owning who you are. Cool. I don't think I like many that. people can do that. Yep. Um, and it's obviously something you spoke about earlier, that uh, you, you're pretty good at it, you know who you are, but there's an element that still struggles, and, and which is right. natural, by the way. Yeah. And when you own who you are, it sort of, it, it reflects in your life. Like, you look at your business, you've owned who you are, and now you're helping other blokes do that. Me, I own who I am, I get to help others with disability, I get to help others in their job. We look at this place we're in today, Zara's owned who she is, she's got this awesome place with great bottles of liquor, awesome, all cool stuff around this place. So, when someone owns who they are, they can reflect it in their life, and they yep. can invite other people to feel open to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So by us owning who we are, we're an open invitation to let others do that. Absolutely. I really like that. And I think something that's really important to note there is that we teach the world how to treat us, right? Mm. So if we are ourselves, then we teach the world who we are. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, we've spoken a lot about the things that you bring into your life, the things that you choose around charity work and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and I'm not trying to lead you in here, but I can kind of get an, a little bit of an idea, but I want to ask you specifically, do you know, do you have an acute awareness of your biggest drivers, your real why as to why you do what you do? Um, not really sure how, I think it's just, um, that's a real tough question, like you pretty much stumped me, but I, <laughs> I think can see your biggest, reaction physically is a little Yeah, different. like it sort of takes me back a bit, but I think the biggest driver for me is just um, giving, giving people that permission to be able to lead themselves like for mm-hmm. me I didn't really have that sort of influence yeah. to be able to someone that I could look to and say they really own themselves okay, so for yeah. me it's about owning who I am to let other people be able to do that okay. so I love the fact that I've got complete control of what I do mm-hmm. I wake up I'm excited for work on the weekends I get to do what I want to do I love that I can do that yep. and I, I want to keep being able to get up every day and that's probably the biggest drive for me get up every day and do what I want to do like for me the next step when I leave this job is 
go on and having a gym. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anything better than walking to a gym and being yeah. able to do what I wanted to do. But still being able to do that in the sense of being you providing space for people to be able to be themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like People meet me and they go, holy shit, he's 20, 21 years old and he's doing all this cool shit. Mm-hmm. I can do that too. Yeah. I can want people to be able to look at that and be like that. Absolutely. Like, I'm not chucking an ego on myself, but I want people to be able to do that. I don't care if you're 40, 60 or 15. Yeah. I just want people to be able to look at me and see what I'm doing and say it's easy to do that. Like cool. Change the game a bit. Very nice. And so also I'll just speak very quickly to you saying oh, I'm a bit stumped there. At 21, I had you, you would have absolutely stumped me with that and I couldn't yeah. have just come up with something very cool like you just said, so don't worry about that. Yeah, and in fact, when I was about your age, uh, and this is part of my story that I share all the time, is that I was... Lost, totally lost. Yeah. And I was at university, so you kind of spoke about that a little bit before. Yep. For me, it was, I'm going to go to university because that's just what I'm going to do. But I had no real direction, no real path. Uh, and there was a lot of, um, yeah, perhaps, expectation, maybe more in my immediate you know, circle of people. And I think that's why the, the whole system right now is complete bullshit. Yeah. Like, go to uni for five years, do something you don't want to fucking do, and then leave it and be like, oh, I still don't know what I want to do. That's bullshit. Well, that's what I was. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing and all this kind of stuff, and I did feel a little bit lost. So you've shared a little bit around your injury, but has there been or are there times where you feel a bit lost, feel a bit perhaps fearful? Um, Probably this next stage that I'm going to enter into, like opening my own business and that sort of stuff, that's a massive step. Mm -hmm. For me, looking at that, like my family's always been the type that have their own business, but successful, successful, then there's me. I've got to make sure I maintain that. Yep. And for me to be able to do that, you look at that and you go, oh, fuck. That's a big wall I've got to jump over. Yep. Um, but so how do you look at that, though? I get a bit excited. Yeah. Like, for me, opening your own business is freedom. Cool. You can just open it. You do what you want to do. You're in control. Where, rather, you go to work nine to five, you work someone else and make their dream happen, yep. which I hate that idea. Like, cool. Cool. Give someone a job, but give someone a bit of a hammer and let them create what yeah, they want yeah. to do. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, so now getting into, into this topic again of conversations and tougher conversations. Is there anything that you do not talk about that you're willing to share with us today? I don't know. I'm pretty open book, hey? Like, I've pretty much told you everything today. And you are, absolutely. I'm Credit a very, to you. I, I'm a very open book. Like, if you ask something, I'll tell you. But um, it's probably the whole depression side of when I went through that. Like, not many people hear that story. Like, I was yeah. depressed. Mm-hmm. I was in a shit spot. I was, so you're um, talking post? Post-injury, injury? like... I went from alpha, football, killing it, cool. Mm-hmm. But also, to give context, like 16 years old. 16 right? years old. Yeah. To nothing. Mm-hmm. So, massive depression. And, like, I didn't want anyone to know that because I've yeah. always been tough, big, strong. Uh-huh. Which is one of the big problems for a lot of men. Yeah. And we get it. So, you know, suicide, anxiety, depression, massive in men, and there's this stigma and need to not talk about it. Right? Exactly. It perpetuates. Like, yep, you, look at, you? Look at, you look at an 18 year old boy and you think someone's going through it, and someone that is looking on the path to kill themselves. Maybe they haven't had a girlfriend, not popular, right, right. stuff just spirals out of control, and they don't have anyone to talk to. And next thing we know, we've got this news headline that we don't want to see at 7 o'clock in the morning. So for me, yeah, the massive yep. black dog, the old black dog howling at your back. But that's pretty much it, hey, like the rest of it. just. Yep. Um, and so at the time, did you speak to someone about it? No, shit, no. Because no. I'm a very strong. I own it, I'll yeah. control it, I'll so fix it. So speaking back to, again, your accepting responsibility for yourself. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think that's very important. I think um, we should teach people that. I, I don't think we should tell people that they have to, um, like, they have to be able to get out there and, um, like, you can't fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. I think there should be, like, a, a, a two-playing field where we can say to people, hey, you are strong enough to be able to do it. 
yep. you can do it. You can you can fix it. Yeah. Well, I think that should be the I think that should be the approach, the first stage for everyone. And then if someone can't do it by themselves, we get someone in there to help them. Yeah. But I think we should really be pushing to tell people that they are strong enough to do it, and people do go through shit, and shit happens, and it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to go through this, and every all this shit is normal. Yep. Rather than saying, oh, you're depressed, you're a bad person, you're weak, because that's shit. And people yeah, hear that absolutely. and they go, oh, I am shit, I am weak, I'm crap, I'll go jump off a building. There's no point for me being here anymore because no one respects me. You put someone in that shoes, they're all, you're already fucked them over. Rather than saying to them, hey, I've been through it too. It's shit, I know it's shit. Tell them it's shit. Because they need to hear it's shit. Cause they, they'll, they think to themselves, oh, rah, rah. but if you tell them, hey, it's shit, I've been through it, I know it's shit, but you can do it, mm -hmm. and I've done it, look at me, Here's other people have done it, don't take that option. You've got so much ahead of you, you're only this old, you're only that old. Even if you're 50 years old, you've still got 40 years to live, you've still got 40 years to fix your shit. Yeah. Like, I think that should be the approach we take. And, and so I'll just jump on something there, there very quickly. The term fixing your shit, I think, is a really important perspective around that is that we're, we're always still fixing our shit. Fixing, I'm Knowing, still fixing nothing our get, shit. Nothing gets fixed, exactly right? right? It's just a continual journey and we evolve and we keep going. Yeah, and right? like at the, the sort of place we're at the moment, like the environment that everyone's living at the moment, you're not going to be in the same job for 40 years. You're not going to have an easy ride. You're going to chop and change, you're going to do different things and you've got to be ready for it. Yep. You've got to be able to own your shit. You've got to be able to fix shit. Cool. And I think that should, should be the mindset nice. that we start teaching people. Okay, now I really like your perspective on life. I think for a 21-year-old kid, you've got some cool stuff going on. So I'm interested to know, can you attribute anything in particular to your general perspective on life? Um, I, I put it all to that injury, but I put it all also to the opportunities that I've had. Mm -hmm. Like, every opportunity has taught me something different. Yep. And every opportunity is like, I've met some really shit people, and some people that I look at and just look, look, I look at them now and I thought they were king being, and I look at them, like, now that I look back at them, I think, oh, you're a complete fuckhead. You're a yeah. complete waste of time. So for me, meeting those different types of people, getting those different perspectives have really taught me a lot of things yeah. and really... And do you think your injury now, look, speaking about your desire and, and willingness to say yes to opportunities and stuff, do you think that your injury has provided you with an opportunity? I think so. Like, I think the greatest thing anyone can get is something bad happen to them. Yeah. I, I see that as, like, the greatest thing anyone can have. Like, yeah. if something goes wrong to you... It almost should be a party. I think it almost should be bigger than a 21st. Like, I think that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Like for me, my injury happening to me, it was like, I, if I could throw a party right now, get 40 people, 50 people to it, have a big celebration, I would. Yeah. Because that hard thing teaches you a lot. Yeah. And like, it shows you that if you go through that, you can get through it. And then you sort of get some strength through it. And then like, so well, I'm not even scared opening my own business because I'm like, I went through all that shit. Yeah, This cool. is going to be a walk in the park. Or nice. New so job change. this is a significant part of your life and yeah. it's really led to this Exactly. Outlook. And it gives you Very a different cool. mindset. Like if you're sheltered your whole life and you're covered and you're protected, something bad goes wrong. You're 30 years old, you've been protected, everything's been a smooth ride, something bad goes wrong, you don't know how to deal with it. Yep. You're like, oh, fuck. I've got a wife and kids, I've got no job, I've got no money, rah. Bridge jump. Yep. Rather than something bad's happened, tools to prepare for it, something bad happened, you go, cool. okay, no dramas. Yeah. Easy fix. Cool, let's move on. Hey, Very kids, nice. this has happened, we're going to be all right. Rather cool. than being panicked, everyone gets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, again, we know it happened to you at quite a young age. So then let's move earlier than that. Let's go back to 12, say, 13-year-old Jacko. If you could go back and have a conversation with that guy, is there anything particular you'd say to him? I'd just say try everything. Yeah. Like, my whole life changed in year 12. Like, I tried school musical. Mm -hmm. I'm the most musically ungifted person you ever met. I couldn't even sing a note. You hear me in the car, you'd probably fucking turn your car around and drive the other way. <laughs> but 
I tried to get music class of palm tree at the back. It was a good bit of fun. Palm tree. I was. I was palm tree and fucking stage crew, but it was all right. Tried debating. I rocked up to the debating meeting. I said, hey, miss, I do not know what debating is. I couldn't even spell it for you, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. All these different things. If I could say to like the younger fella, hey, give it a go, try different things, cool. play an instrument, rah, rah. Saying it's the opportunity, yeah. right? give something nice. to go. You'll get to year nine and you'll be like kingpin because you know all these different things and you'll be, yep. have a much better time. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's speaking to your younger self. Now, speaking to anyone, is there one person that you would love to have a conversation with? Um, probably Barack, hey, like yeah. the American president, because like he's black, he's got every, every, if you look at his story, grew up in a real like low socioeconomic environment, mum was African American, so his dad, mum came over, all these things, everything, everything in his story attributes to him not being president and attributes yeah. to him just being an average Joe Blight. But yet he's become the most successful president America's ever had, taken him out of debt, improved unemployment, done all these crazy things. And he's just been told the whole time he can't do things. Yep. And like the whole way he approaches everything. Like I'd just love to hear his mindset and hear what he does. Cool. Very yeah, nice. Him. So can you think of a story in your life where, or an example, where you go, you know what, I should have had that conversation, but I, bo- I um, avoided it at the time. I was driving Dan Flynn, so the CEO of Thank You Water, to the mm-hmm. airport after a conference. And he was, he's one of those blokes that is just that passionate about what he does, yep. but he doesn't talk about it. He'll go to you. He doesn't care what you do. He'll say, what do you love? Why are you passionate? What can we do? How can we fix it? How can we make it better? So that's what he did with me. He's like, this, 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 this is what you need to do. This is what you've got to do. I'm excited, right? And get you excited. Mm-hmm. I would have rather just turn that on the head. Be like, How the hell did you do it? Because yep. it's easy enough to talk about me. I can sit there and get this warm, buzzy feeling going, oh, this bloke's taking so much interest. He's making me feel good for that yep. shit. He didn't give me any advice. He just told me I can do it. Yeah. Cool, anyone can tell me that. You can sit here and tell me I can do it. I just love to hear what he did because yeah. he's taken something that shouldn't have happened. Coca-Cola tried to stop him. All these people tried to stop him, but he made it happen. Yeah. And last night he just launched his next project and like, you look at him and you think, holy shit, like he's made it. Yeah. So if I just wish I could have turned that conversation, took it out of me feeling warm and fuzzy going, oh, thanks, Dan, you're the man. Yeah, yeah. Rather than being like, hey, Dan, how did you do it? How did you beat this? How did you do that? Yeah. And get that bit Asking of advice. Questions, Asking the questions. Asking the questions, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Okay, and then conversations, bigger conversations. Is there, in your mind, a, a bigger conversation that you are having or that you want to have? I think me and my boys are in a pretty good spot at the moment, so I've got a real close net of boys. Mm-hmm. And like, we've all got our own problems. Yep. One bloke's struggling at work, one bloke's struggling with weight, one bloke's still trying to figure out where he wants to go. But we don't have those big conversations. We talk about, we go, oh, we'll have an intervention with him, oh, we'll have an intervention with yeah. him, but we don't have it. So I think we're really in a good space now where we can sort of open that up. Yeah take it to a good spot, help each other sort of grow. So creating an environment, a space for you and your mates Fellas to, have, to a chat. have some more meaningful and, and deep yeah, conversations. Yeah. yeah, Very nice. I like yeah. that. And then what about in terms of what you're passionate about? You spoke about providing an example for people to step up and know who they are and own mm. who they are. So would you consider that to be a bigger conversation? By, by, by that I mean bigger than you. Yeah, I just want to start a conversation where we say to young men, it's okay to be boys again. Yeah. Because we've, we've completely fucked that up in the last five years. Yeah. We have. We've taken it away. We've told young boys that they're sexual predators, they're rapists, they're all this bullshit. And look, like I said before, it's feminist movement, greatest thing in the last hundred years, without a doubt. But it doesn't mean we have to tell young boys every day and thrash, thrash it through media that all this, all this crap about their rapists. Yeah, that we're this end or this end of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly right. We can't run that spectrum. We just have to yep. say to them, it's okay to be young boys. Just don't be a fuckhead. Yeah. That's, not, like, that's simple. I'm not... I, I, can we please have that on a billboard with yeah. your face? Just seriously. It's okay to be a bloke. It's 
okay to get angry at another bloke. It's okay to go and hit the shit out of someone so, in, a, okay. in a football field. It's Not okay punch, to feel like, your emotions, you it's mean? It's okay to own who you are. It's okay to go out there and be tough. It's yeah. okay to go out to a skate park and completely thrash yourself and come back with a broken arm. Cool. That's what you're supposed to do. Go out and learn. Yeah. Okay, so what's, learn, experiment, but, but also actually go through what's going on and not swallow yeah, it down. Yeah, not swallow it down. Not be yeah. like, oh, I'm getting really anxious at the moment, I'm going to swallow it. Or I'm a bit upset at the moment, I'm going to swallow it. Yeah. Let it out. Be a bloke. Find cool. who you are. Because we've taken that away from young fellas and it's not, not acceptable at all. Very nice. Well, mate, yeah. I think we'll end there on your bigger conversations in your mm-hmm. own life and then outside of you. So thank you very much for coming along. Thanks for the chat. Always good to chat, mate. Always, Always good to chat. I'm chat. looking forward to that billboard. Just yeah. be a boy. Just don't be a fuckhead. Yeah, just don't be a fuckhead. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thanks for tuning into the show. Make sure you share this with at least one man who you think will enjoy or benefit from it. Now, I say make sure, but what I really mean to say is please, please share this with one man. This will spread by one person sharing with one person and so on. So I thank you for that. For those men who want to be part of conversations like this in person, then of course visit beyondthebears.tv slash event to find out all the details and get your tickets for Beyond the Bears, the event, conversations and cool shit for men. Remember that's happening Sydney, Saturday, August 20th. There'll be a variety of interactive conversations with all sorts of men, experts, men with public profiles sharing a little bit of their own story, as well as everyday blokes. All conversations you can be a part of to help you learn, listen, share, laugh and grow. To learn more about how you can work with me and take action in your own life and have more meaningful conversations, work on yourself and down the road towards personal mastery, visit mikecampbell.com.au for loads of content on how to become a better man and get more out of your own life, including our half-day Solve Yourself workshop, which really is about laying the foundation for solving you, Project Me, and stepping on your path towards personal mastery. If you just want to get a gauge of how you're currently doing, then visit mikecampbell.com.au slash man test to take the man test. If you want to connect with or follow today's guest, then we'll leave all those details in the show notes below, depending on where you are listening or perhaps watching this. Of course, if you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, the details will be there. If you want to go to the website, you can interact with the guests there, beyondthebears.tv. Now, go out into your own life and start having these more meaningful conversations. Ask for help. Ask a mate how he's really doing or if he just wants to have a real conversation and go beyond the beers. Now, if you're listening to this on iTunes, here's my tough conversation. Please do me a solid by leaving an honest review. Reviews help us get heard by more people. So please, leave a review and of course, as I asked early on, share this with one man you think will benefit from it. That's us for today's show. Thank you and see you next time.